0: Kia ora, welcome to episode 74 of the SWNZ podcast, the podcast for New Zealand Star Wars fans. My name is Matt.
1: And my name is Christy.
0: It was an interesting and busy week for New Zealand fans, so let's jump in and talk Star Wars. First up, we just got back to reality from the Armageddon Expo, which uh, wrapped up last night. This was the 100th event. It was a the first winter event in Auckland, so the Auckland Armageddon Expo Wintergeddon, as it's been called and we're now counting down and looking forward to the Armageddon Expo in Taronga which is the next one on the agenda taking place on the 23rd and 24th at the Trustpower Bay Park Arena. The event at the ASB showgrounds over the weekend starting on Friday night with a preview evening was a good one on the whole. It was an interesting event it was the 100th event it's been delayed postponed for a number of times and it wasn't sure which location was going to actually hold the event that would be able to be referred to as the 100th event but it transpired that it was Auckland in the end and I guess we weren't quite sure how it was going to pan out at this time of the year this is the first time it's been run at this time of the year in Auckland and the question I guess was how well was it going to be attended and how was it going to pan out uh, with virtual guests dominating the agenda on the whole. I think I think it went really well. I think there was an awful lot of people there. It really, really felt like it was approaching capacity, if not hitting capacity most of the time. And it really felt like people had been looking forward to this for quite some time and were you know, keen to get in there, experience things, see things and spend money.
1: Yeah, it was going to be one of those things where it was either going to be really quiet or really packed, and it was really packed. Even though, as you say, we had predominantly virtual guests, there was still a ton of people. The main stage room was held upstairs this time, which was usually sort of some of the secondary panel rooms, and the esports competition was held in the main stage. But that sort of panel room, even though there were virtual guests, was often quite full. It was oh, really you agree, quite neat to well, see. And even though the weather did sort of... Uh, a
0: little bit of a blip on Saturday afternoon where yeah. a little bit of rain hit and everyone ran inside, but it was, it was short-lived on the whole. Yeah. So we survived what could have been a bad weather weekend.
1: Yeah, I know that this would have put a bit of a damper on the weekend for anybody in elaborate costumes because predominantly most of the food options were outside. They had a vast array of food trucks, more than I remember previously, which was great to see. But they were outside, which meant that if the rain happened while you were standing in line to get your food or trying to eat outside, you were going to get caught in the rain. But it wasn't all day. And for us personally, it didn't. It didn't damper our excitement for the weekend. There was a ton of things to see and do. Notably, a few of the sort of the major retailers of particular note for Star Wars fans, such as EB Games and Mighty Ape, were not in attendance this yeah, time. Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk specifics. I mean, at the highest level, we thought it was really good, and I thought on the base that was on the basis largely of. People being really keen for this and really ready to get in there and experience and see things. But in terms of specifics, yep, first, first on the list, first to mention, I think, is that uh, we had a surprise late-minute addition to the guest list. We saw Giancarlo Esposito, who plays Moff Gideon in The Mandalorian, on the main stage. We'll come back to that and talk in detail. Uh, retailers, I think, is a, is a, there were some big, significant differences. Uh, like you say, we had some ones that were that u- are usually in attendance, like EB Games and Mighty Ape, weren't there. New attendees, Pop Stop. But I think the big winner seemed to be the Artist Alley, which was really, really popular and really, really interesting.
1: Yeah, this has grown over the years from just sort of a small token back corridor corner for uh, the sort of fans to sell art prints and stickers and and crafted goods. It... It was occupying a huge component of the sort of the main vendor hall and it was always really, really busy. And for us personally as Star Wars fans, there was a fantastic array of Star Wars goods that you could buy there from sort of Star Wars Fabric cushions and things to art stickers, uh, crocheted figures, oh, sculptures, uh, sort yeah, of all sorts. all sorts of bits and pieces. I love the sort of the 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 faux fur Ewoks and and there was even like faux fur black and figures in there. It was really quite neat. All sorts of pins and just some really neat fun things. The sort of things that are hard to find online or you know you're shipping them in from Etsy and it felt really neat to support local sort of. You know, supporting locals, supporting small businesses, particularly after the last couple of years, you know that it was money well spent.
0: Yeah, well, here's my take on it. I mean, there's always been some really creative artists involved in the art and the artists' alley, without a doubt. They're now really, people are really used to it. But then the counterpoint to that all is what we're seeing with some of the other retailers, and I'm afraid to say it's a little bit of a downside. is it's really hard, you know, one of the things we really liked about Armageddon's of old was the, the treasure hunting aspect. You could go in amongst the retailers and you could find things that were either extremely unusual or extremely discounted in terms of collectibles. These days, the, the main room retailers have to make a buck, so they're bringing in the stuff they know is going to sell. And a lot of that is stuff that we're already quite familiar with. so if you've got that on one hand when you go to the artist alley everything is new and fresh and there's a lot of treasure hunting to be done and I think it's well received in a large part because of that or in a big part because of that
1: Yeah, it's the stuff you're not going to find online, the stuff where it's smaller items that won't necessarily uh, sort of justify paying a large shipping cost because you know that those small businesses, they're not profiting off the shipping costs. That's just making everything more expensive. I particularly enjoyed being able to see Oasis since she does a fantastic range of sort of geek-inspired candles and perfumes and sort of those bathroom toiletries, but all with a cool geek sort of spin uh, amongst her wares at this year's event. There was an Ahsoka candle, carbonite candle, a carbonite sort of uh, room reed diffuser. It smells amazing. And as part of her special convention bundle, she even had a Cassian Andor candle. She definitely does other Star Wars bits and pieces. Oh, and the R2-D2 bubble bath. That mm. one smells amazing. So it was really fun to see those sorts of things where you can get to, especially with candles, you know, you want to check them out and smell them yourself. You know, you know that when you're buying lovely boutique candles they're going to smell amazing but being able to sort of you know smell them yourself in person and decide which one really takes your fancy was really neat and i noticed that i couldn't find the ahsoka candle at the end of the event i think that one was popular it appeared to sell out yeah and there was some neat ahsoka art and stickers and even some mandalorian washi tape at one of the tables it was really neat one of my highlights, of course, is Cobalt Heights. They always stock a great range of Loungefly products. In the past, some of the other retailers have had a good range of Loungefly Star Wars products. So,
0: Loungefly, of course, is bags and handbags, handbags and, and
1: wallets and things like that. But Cobalt Heights was the only one that I could find that had Star Wars Loungefly sure. products. So they had a great range of wallets and backpacks. Pop Stop had a few Loungefly products, but they were kind of tossed on a table. I like to, you know, look after my bags, and there were no Star Wars products in that mix. It was just the sort of standard Disney stuff. So I appreciate Colbot always having some Star Wars product there. I did see a good amount of Loungefly Star Wars backpacks around the convention. That's always fun to see. And, of course, the great array of Star Wars costumers we saw at this event.
0: Yeah, let's talk Star Wars costumers. One of the really interesting attractions. Well, first of all, the First and Rebel Legion and Mandalorian and Mercs were all there together uh, fundraising for the Starship Children's Hospital. And there was a you know, fun, fun variety of costumes and some really, really cool costumes. And they were sort of joined by, by Star Wars costumers that are not members of those clubs on a sort of you know basis throughout the whole weekend. And it was fun to see large groups of Star Wars characters. One that really, really stood out was a um, life-size blur that was put on by, I believe, a family mem- a family group uh, because they had some some young kids dressed up as Boba Fett in the Mandalorian who could actually ride this very large, slightly scaled down in terms of human scale, but uh, scaled to the kids. That was extremely fun. And we will have, in fact, on this YouTube channel very shortly, a, a big summary of all the costumes that we that we saw at the event because that's one of the fun things that we like to capture and document in that way. But of course, in association with the Fiverr First and Rebel Legion booth, was a full life size, very, very interesting uh, custom pod racer that you could get in and get photos with as part of it, alongside a donation to the uh, Children's Hospital charity. Uh, This was better than I thought it would be in many ways. It was extremely well done. I think the engines were actually plane engines, it was crafted by the same prop makers that had the steampunk aircraft fuselage, and another part, two of them, and another part of the convention hall. And So these were leftover parts from actually junked actual aircraft. It had lights, it had sounds, it had moving parts, and everyone that got in there got a really good buzz out of it, got a really good kick out of it.
1: Yeah, it was neat. There was a line of people waiting their turn patiently to get their photos and videos in this thing. The lights and sounds were amazing. There were flaps that moved. And it wasn't just children getting in this thing you know all the adults were eagerly queuing up to get their photos in it it was a really popular attraction and it's just really fun we've seen photos and you know some of us have been able to attend larger Star Wars celebrations overseas where you can see life-size props and displays and that's not something that's very common or easy to do in New Zealand particularly with a smaller fan base compared to the US so it was really fun to have such a large-scale Star Wars item sort of on display really added a great attraction to the Star Wars costumers, and just a fun thing for Star Wars fans at the event to you know jump in, see it in person, get some photos, get some cool video. It was really neat, and there was just a constant line of people for that one.
0: Yeah. So on the whole, we we enjoyed the experience. I, I think, as I said right at the start of this conversation, point that it was hard to know exactly how it's panned out, but I think those retailers and storeholders that did attend probably reporting that they did very well as a very well as a consequence of being in attendance and holding it at this point in time. I have to say it's a little bit of a shame for those that, that didn't attend, they may be actually considering that they, they may have missed out on a good opportunity looking looking back with hindsight.
1: Yeah. I was really glad to be able to get to along to the Giancarlo Esposito panel. He did touch on the Mandalorian a few times. Obviously, with a, with a good number of Star Wars fans in the audience, there were going to be some Mandalorian related questions. He talked about his stunt work. Somebody asked about, you know, wielding the Darksaber and stuff like that. And he told a story that he managed to destroy six Darksaber blades during the course of that stunt fight against the Mandalorian that they were, you know, physical props, but he didn't use a stuntman. He wanted to do the stunt work, the sort of the lightsaber fight, as it were, himself. And they were sort of so passionate and so sort of into it that he managed to wreck them and was sort of, sort of pleaded, um, at by the prop department to sort of take it a little easier so he wouldn't uh, ruin them. He talked about sort of seeing the Grogu puppet in person on set and, um, you know, obviously he had to dodge some questions about people asking whether he could give any information about what's coming up in The Mandalorian and where the story is going for Moff Gideon. He's obviously very tight-lipped and he did point out that, you know, yes, the fans are eager to get glimpses of what might happen in upcoming series, but at the same time, it's like spoiling Christmas you don't want to know big spoilers because half of the excitement of these stories is not knowing where they're going to go, not knowing what sort of excitement is awaiting you in the next episode. You know, the Mandalorian series in particular has pulled out some really astonishing moments that they kept under wraps really really tightly and I think that the impact of that would, n- would not have been anywhere near as significant had we known that, oh yeah, Luke turns up, you know. they they went They went to great lengths for that but it was really neat to see he's a very sort of a uh, thoughtful actor he always gives long really interesting and intelligent answers to the questions that he's asked so it was great to see we have seen him do a virtual panel at a previous armageddon but it was neat to for him to be able to sort of attend virtually at, a, at an Auckland event because of the larger crowds there, so it was really neat to see him. Of course, people asked, you know, please, please, can you come to to an Armageddon event in person? And he's like, well, you know, well, well, I hope so in the future type thing because he would he's be a neat one of, to he's see local.
0: Got a busy schedule, so he wasn't making any promises for this yes. year. But as you say, he's, atten- he's virtually attended virtual panels at Armageddon Expos at least twice, and we have seen one of those before. And it was great to have him added in at this point uh, for for the Auckland one because um, it was a little bit lacking in terms of Star Wars guests uh, up until his name was added to the to the roster. And again, as you say, he he's a very good he's very practiced when it comes to uh, recounting anecdotes. And he tells tells very good stories about his roles in Star Wars and all the other franchises that he's been part of. So stay tuned to the SWNZ website and SWNZ YouTube channel. We will be having coverage both in terms of the costumes, Star Wars costumes as I mentioned, but also just a little bit of a highlight reel and discussion about uh, key things that we um, took home from from that experience. And six weeks until the Armageddon Expo in Tauranga, Palmerston North will be following on from that in August. Uh, October is when it returns to Auckland in the usual time slot over Labour weekend and finally in December we will be seeing Armageddon Expos taking place in Wellington and Christchurch.
1: I'm really hoping, fingers crossed, but obviously it's completely unknown. I would love to see Te attend a local event in New Zealand. I know that with his schedule, um, he might be...
0: Well, he's filming in New Zealand at the moment up north, but he is very, very busy. And uh, yeah, it depends on whether or not that fits in with with one of the actual events. But we've got a few to pick and choose from, so maybe we'll, we'll get to see him at a local New Zealand event sometime this year.
1: It's definitely been a while since he's been able to attend. He has done signings in New Zealand and, and has attended for promotional sort of uh, appearances for some of his other work. But I think, after, especially after his appearance in the Book of Boba Fett, it, I think it would go down really well with fans. Well, we see, his, we see a lot of Mandalorian of, costumes yeah, at app- events these days.
0: Particularly in the context of his appearance in the Book of Boba Fett, but also how well he was received when he showed up at the celebration event in Anaheim yes, last, late, yes. uh, last month.
1: Yeah, he's, he's really well loved by fans, and I think, yeah. He's
0: got a unique, well, from, from a non-New Zealander perspective, we sort of were familiar with, with Tim and, and his stage presence, but the Americans really got a kick out of his interaction with the, with the fans with the, with the uh, at the convention right the other main news item we want to add to the list is a little bit of a coming soon announcement of sorts the d23 expo is scheduled to take place between the 9th and 11th of september it's going to take place in anaheim but the reason we bring that up now is because that is the next thing on the calendar the next event on the calendar that we can expect to get some major star wars announcement out of i think in fact on saturday september the 10th there is a panel that is the most, going to be the most likely one that we will hear news about Star Wars productions. It's described as filmmakers, celebrity talent, and surprise guests will join representatives from Marvel Studios and Lucasfilm, among others, on stage and Hall D23 at 10am to showcase theatrical and Disney Plus titles. So that is when we expect to hear about upcoming Star Wars material that may be showing up on Disney Plus or in theatres. That will be taking place as i say uh, early september september 9th to the 11th with that specific event on the saturday us time so sunday the september the 11th new zealand time and uh, we'll keep a close eye on that to be reporting back on anything that we get in terms of news about upcoming star wars productions official news that is of course okay let's work through some product announcements and store reports there's a handful of product announcements just some really cool upcoming bits and pieces but the real excitement I think it comes from things we've been seeing on the shelves in New Zealand locally over the last week. First up, in terms of upcoming products from Funko Pop Vinyl figures, we can expect to see the next Power of the Galaxy. The first one was Padme Amadala in one of her Senate gowns. And she has been followed up with Sabine from Rebels, available for pre-order right now from a number of Funko retailers. And also from Obi Wan Kenobi, we're excited to see Taylor in her Imperial Officer uniform. Uh, going up for pre-order right now. Also on pre-order from the likes of Mighty Ape and some other retailers, the animatronic Lola that we have that we saw re- revealed earlier on is up for pre-order. It's got a thirty-first of October release date, priced at about one hundred and seventy New Zealand dollars. I think that's pretty fair for what we get out of it. This is a highly articulated interactive electronic collectible. Uh, That I think is going to be very, very popular. There's probably going to be more than one version. In fact, there is another electronic version, but this is the one that interacts and has a few different modes of sort of behavior and and activity and animatronics.
1: Yeah, the more deluxe of the version. This is sort of like the Sphero BB-8 level, but without the Sphero price tag. I think it's pretty a reasonable price tag. And I think it's going to be more appealing to fans than we saw a lot of Electronic Dio figures locally and abroad. And I, th- I feel like the Lola droid is going to be more popular. And I just think the design is really well done. Certainly seeing this particular toy animatronic debuted and sort of shown off, at Celebration, celebration. Yeah. I think it looks really good, and I'm definitely keen to see it in person.
0: Okay, last week, I think it was on the Obi-Wan Kenobi Wednesday product reveal, we got news of another wave of the Retro Collection 3.75 inch action figures. Of course, these are the action figures that are styled, in, well, that are presented in the style of the vintage action figures. We've got a wave coming of characters coming from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan himself, the fifth brother, the Grand Inquisitor Ned B, and Darth Vader all in vintage styling on classic vintage style card backs. Uh, No word on when we're going to get those in New Zealand yet but we have got all the other ways fairly fairly straightforward to get hold of those locally and I hope that'll be the case down the line. A new Lego set from the Obi-Wan Kenobi series has been revealed and that will be released on the 1st of August so not too far away. This is the Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Darth Vader set. It's a little diorama featuring their encounter on their mining planet, set number 75334. It's got 408 pieces priced at $90 and the main attraction here are the minifigs, Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan Kenobi with a couple of supporting characters including Ned B in minifig format. That's available to pre-order right now via the LEGO website. We will have a link down below. Also from pre-order from Mighty8, previously announced the Darth Vader Black Series Premium Helmet coming in at $289. This is a updated version from the previous Black Series Darth Vader Helmet that has a few tweaks to make it more akin to the Obi-Wan Kenobi version with red lenses and some upgrades to the sort of neck detailing. So this is quite a nice one-to-one scale helmet, not. Not quite as accurate as some of the other representations we've got from the Black Series because the Darth Vader helmet is very, very large. It's larger than you might actually think when you see a full one-to-one scale one, but this is a nice display piece nonetheless.
1: At a fraction of the cost for the more accurate helmets that can go for some thousands of dollars yes, these yes, days. Well, four,
0: four, four figures. All right, so since, since we spoke last podcast, there's been some really, really cool products showing up in local department stores in particular. First, we got a lot of excitement when a wave of Obi-Wan Kenobi figures showed up pretty much out of the blue at farmer's stores. This wave included Reva, the third sister, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and a couple of non-Kenobi figures, the Mando Super Commando from the Clone Wars, and Episode 2, Padawan Anakin Skywalker. Now, this wave showed up in New Zealand before it showed up anywhere else in the world, and in fact, the Darth Vader figure was out of the blue, completely out of the blue. I don't think it had been revealed in detail prior.
1: No, in wave assortment, case assortments on pre-order websites in the US, this figure was just sort of TBA. They didn't even list Vader in amongst the character assortment alongside Obi-Wan and Reva, so it was really out of the blue until we were literally seeing it hitting New Zealand store shelves.
0: Yeah, so it's a very exciting case assortment. Uh, Some of the bigger Farmer's Department stores got a couple of cases of these. The case assortment included two each of Reva, Vader, and Obi-Wan, and one each of Mando and Anakin. But we have been show, it has been showing up progressively around the country. It started in Auckland and it's been moving down the line. Hopefully we'll see some restocks because it's pretty pretty sought after. Even this Obi-Wan Kenobi figure, we knew it was coming, but a lot of other sites have it listed for a few months down the line at the earliest. So actually have it in hand. Very, very exciting. We've actually put some videos of those figures up on our personal blog channel, Villa Verikina, and we'll put a link down below so you can see those in hand if you haven't been able to see them yourself in the stores.
1: Yeah, the, these are so early. Some American websites have the pre order date listed as January, but some Americans are so sort of uh, just sort of <laughs> doubtful yeah. that how dare New Zealand get these ahead of them? And they're like, nah, that's so early. You guys must be fakes. But yeah, it's just one of those rare instances where we actually get something ahead of the state. So it's very exciting.
0: There was a cool wave of. 3.75 inch TVC figures showing up at the warehouse. The wave that includes the 501st Clone Trooper with removable helmet, Yoda, the Emperor Strikes Back version, a Mandalorian version of Ahsoka, Death Watch Mando, I do like that uh, Mandalorian character, and very nice Phoenix Sand action figure, all in TVC scale and cardbacks. Uh, they seem to be fairly abundant, fairly easy to get hold of at this point, but some of the characters are shifting faster than others the first clone troop is probably quite popular as an army builder so if you see it and you want it don't wait on it the warehouse has been getting a few other new figures uh, uniquely some of these wave distributions seem to be going to specific stores and not others so we're seeing things showing up at the warehouse but not farmers and vice versa in particular the warehouse has just stocked over the last day or so the deluxe ahsoka that comes with a slight variation on the already released tvc carded ahsoka this version comes with a bunch of accessories she comes with a fabric cloak and she comes with the morai owl and i think might better sit on her arm and also another deluxe figure but in the black series six inch scale is the mauro christ mandalorian and grogu set which comes with a large ice spider so this figure has previously been released in the tvc line out of the blue it's shown up in the black series six inch line at the warehouse as well
1: these two figures both the ahsoka and the mandalorians slightly higher price point but they do seem to be hitting store shelves in good numbers so Mm, if you're hunting around cases yeah if you're hunting around and can't find the obi-wan figures you can at least console yourself with something else that's new at farmers there does appear to be a sale ongoing on toys so unfortunately there doesn't seem to be a, a similar sale on toys at the warehouse so at the at this point, the Mando and Ahsoka figures are at the warehouse, which doesn't have a sale. If you luck out and find the Obi-Wan series figures at Farmers, you might be able to still snag them on sale. It's uh, no, it, sort of
0: helping them, as well as their popularity, that, that discounted price is helping them move pretty quickly.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, on the day that they first showed up, there was a, a pretty good sale on Star Wars toys. I think it was buy one, get one half off. So it made it a pretty good uh, a deal if you managed to find those low on that first current, day that they the dropped. The current, current
0: toy pricing is 20% off. That includes action figures.
1: Yes, yes. So it's still pretty good. It's always fun when new figures come out and you can grab them on sale. But it's good to see good stock hitting New Zealand, exciting new figures. You know, it's it's been a little while since we've had some sort of really exciting pieces hitting store shelves. It's just, yeah, it's fun. On top of, you know, the excitement of the Obi-Wan series, it's fun to always sort of run out and grab some new merch.
0: Alrighty, let's talk about episode four of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which screened last Wednesday. Now, this is a slightly shorter episode. I think it probably constitutes the conclusion of Act 2 prior to getting on to uh, Act 3, which will presumably take up Episodes 5 and 6, if you want to conceptualise it like that. Slightly shorter episode, and I think on the whole, slightly less things happen. So I think we've probably got a shade less to discuss than some of the, some of the other episodes that we've run through. But we will, we will walk our way through it in anticipation of the next episode, which I think is going to be really, really building up to an exciting conclusion. Having escaped from a Darth Vader narrowly, Obi-Wan Kenobi is taken by Tala to recover at the sort of path hideout. He is revived in a back to tank procedure, and we see some interesting, interesting sort of shadowing of his revival, his uh, back to treatment alongside Anakin Skywalker Darth Vader's, who's also getting treatment in parallel with that. But the main thing that happens once Obi-Wan Kenobi is awake again is that. He urgently wants to rescue Princess Leia, who has been taken to the Inquisitor's stronghold on the ocean moon of Nur in the Mustafa system. Reva is personally interrogating Leia in order to find out information about the path, about the Jedi that are being and the Force users that are being channeled through the path and uh, but obi-wan kenobi and tala they make their way into the inquisitor's stronghold tala is going under well she's gone back into her imperial uniform to make her way in and to be able to let obi-wan kenobi in through the base of the underwater stronghold during the infiltration kenobi discovers the trophy vault or the tomb as i think he re- referred to it at one point filled with the preserved corpses we believe but we're not 100 percent sure of jedi who've been captured and killed including a youngling while they are trying to free Leia, in fact, Hobo and Kenobi are successful in freeing Leia, Tala's cover is blown. It's a necessary part of a diversion, and their presence is revealed. They managed to escape pursuit with the help of the PATH commander, Roken, and his troops who come swooping in in T-47 speeders. These are the snow speeders that we saw on Hoth, and I really enjoyed seeing those again in live action personally. Darth Vader later is furious over the fact that they have escaped, that Kenobi has escaped. He threatens to kill Reva, but he spares her when she reveals that she has attached a tracker to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Leia. And we see just at the conclusion that that is a whew, sinister twist and that Lola is the one that has been reprogrammed as a tracking device. Like I say, there's, I mean wrapping it up like that—that that is the essence of the of the story. There were a few interesting details along the way, but I think this was just a little bit of a joining the dots in terms of the necessary um, slower middle chapter of a larger a larger story that's being told here. So there's not quite as much detail to break down. I don't think there are a few bits and pieces that were exciting to see, like the the snowspeeders, the T forty sevens in particular, the uh, seeker droids that were roaming around the corridors of the of the Inquisitor's stronghold, which looked like shrunk down versions, mini versions of probe droids, which I thought was quite fun. Um, but things kind of kind of panned out in a very linear way. A really mysterious key point is what's going on with these captured Jedi, dead or alive, suspended animation, whatever it may be. What is the intention for preserving their bodies? We don't know at this point, but it's undoubtedly sinister.
1: Yeah, this was an episode where we kind of could see where the plot was going. We know that Leia is not going to die or be permanently imprisoned in this fortress. Yeah, Yeah, so we kind of, they're like, okay, we need to go rescue her. We figure, okay, they're going to do that. And there wasn't really too many sort of twists or unexpected turns. The discovery of the tomb, the sort of preservation, sort of lower level. It'll be interesting to see if they kind of expand on that, whether that has greater significance rather than just being sort of creepy well, and sinister.
0: First thing that jumps to mind is the um, preservation and investigation of genetic material of force users. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. picture that that may spell out.
1: Yeah, because of where we know that the Empire is further down the line in the timeline of the Mandalorian, they seem to be wanting, you know, Grogu's blood for sensitive blood for some purpose, which we don't really yet know in that sort of timeline. Obviously, this is set. You know, some years before that, we don't know if this is the very beginning of that process where they're just kind of hoarding it up or whether they're just, I don't know, just some sort of macabre trophy room, as it were. So it's, it's a some, somewhat of a simpler storyline for this one because they have a specific, they're in a very specific locale with a very specific quest. So it's just kind of connect the dots. They need to infiltrate, rescue Leia and escape, which is exactly what happens. So it's not kind of big dramatic. No, sort of not to moments. Predict. There's
0: a number of instances of jeopardy um, yeah. and like for instance where it's necessary for them to have additional firepower to clearly outnumber at the end when they're escaping. The other instance, of well there's a couple of other primary instances of jeopardy and um, whether or not Tara is going to be revealed as mm. being a, a spy because she's not in the right place but it's necessary for her to go in order to get Obi-Wan Kenobi in. And we get an instance of jeopardy in the corridors when the glass is going to break in the window but Obi-Wan Kenobi uses it to their advantage in the end. The main development in that key part of the story was that we kind of see, and I think I, th- I think the way this played out was quite cool. We see Obi Wan Kenobi starting to use his lightsaber quite a bit more, and he's yes. initially using it for very simplified defense, just straight up blocks. But as he regains his confidence, and I think I think we do see this develop over the course of a few minutes that we see it play out that he becomes much more adept. He's getting his muscle memory back and his force memory back, I guess, and we see him actually using the lightsaber as a bit more of a well, an active defense weapon. He's taking out targets with their own blaster bolts rather than just blocking them to protect him and lay off during their escape.
1: Yeah, during that particular sequence where he is deflecting blaster bolts down the sort of underwater tunnel, one of those deflected blaster bolts hits the sort of the not the glass and space glass, <laughs> um, and is obviously shatters, Leia notices this and so Obi-Wan uses the force to kind of basically hold back the glass so that the ocean doesn't come rushing in. So he is using sort of a greater exertion within the force. It's obviously still taxing him, but he is able to accomplish more. And yeah, in like a very you say
0: manner, because very early on in this episode we see him working to move just a small communicator across a table in a In the spaceship, and as they're traveling to the um, Inquisitor Stronghold, and he's struggling to move just a very small object in a straight line, Mm. so he progresses to this point where he's doing quite complex force enabled tasks.
1: Yeah. And we do also see the sort of the first live-action appearance of Purge Troopers, the, the sort of Imperial variant introduced in the Jedi Fallen Order. These yeah. are all black, sort of not quite Stormtroopers. They do have different helmets and some different other sort of yeah, additions right, yeah, to their the costume.
0: They are very, these ones are different from the Jedi Fallen Order ones, which uh, I think, you know, had, yeah, so they're different. And it's a little hard to pick out all the details.
1: Because they're so dark.
0: But I think they've got a stormtrooper faceplate with um, red lenses and a bit of a different um, cowl around the back of their helmet, as well as um, uh, some armor, armor additions to make them stand out as um, elite troopers with a specific purpose.
1: Yeah, but it was fun to see them. I enjoyed, as you say, seeing the snow speeders in there. I think the highlights for me were seeing Leia really stick to her guns. We know that she endures imperial interrogation later on in her life in A New Hope, but even from a young age, she is really steadfast in... in, She knows the
0: significance of the necessity to do that, I think. Not only is she capable of doing it, but she understands how important it is to protect others with her silence, and that is a... Yeah, that is a very strong thread, a very key thread, and it does tie into her character later on. You're right, that was a very, very important development. Even de- though, demonstration.
1: even though she's still young and hasn't really been exposed to a lot of the empire, you know, she's a little unsure about why the empire is the bad guy at the start because her father's part of the imperial senate. You know, she's like, aren't they the good guys? And she's learning very quickly that these people are quite evil and, uh, and, um, and that she can't give in or listen to their lies and deception and things like that. So, and it was gut punching for me at the end to see Lola oh being, <laughs> being sort of, uh, reprogrammed or, you know,
0: Manipulated uh, one way or another. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like we've seen, we know that that's possible within you know the Star Wars. We saw three uh, PO with red eyes in the Rise of Skywalker. You know when you sort of have an imperial influence there. Obviously, he wasn't you know completely controlled. It was momentary. But I'm really hoping, especially since they've made a lot of merch around Lola, that this is short lived and doesn't have some really sort of. Lethal consequences for any of the any of our heroes. I, I'm or hoping herself, yeah. I'm hoping they'll like notice or fix her or something so that that so that she's not like destroyed as some sort of yeah, you know would be a bug hard, or something. Would be a
0: hard sell uh, if they go if they don't resolve it in a way that means that Leia gets her back because clearly there's a strong attachment there. She trusts the droid. She uses the droid. There. there. Definitely friends of sorts, so I think it would be a bit of a rough move if they didn't let her get back to that normality. Other bits and pieces that were quite enjoyable: seeing Obi-Wan Kenobi approaching the stronghold underwater using a Jedi breather of the sort that we have seen previously in *The Phantom Menace* and *Revenge of the Sith*. We saw some cool underwater um, wildlife that we've only seen sort of as hazy silhouettes outside the w- windows of the stronghold previously, but seeing them up close was kind of kind of fun. And I think amongst the Jedi entombed in the stronghold, we recognised Terra Sunube from The Clone Wars, who is the elderly, elderly Jedi who has a lightsaber in his cane. I think he was the only one that's been positively identified, but interesting to see a recognisable character amongst them.
1: This is a bit more of an Easter egg, I think, for some fans, um, if it is confirmed. A lot of the designs of the characters we see entombed don't immediately jump out. They're not characters that we know from the movies.
0: No, I think they're intentionally generic on the whole.
1: But the, the one that's obviously supposed to catch the audience's attention is the final one that we see, which is a youngling with the very distinctive sort of dome helmets. Obviously, we see them in sort of the the Order 66 moment from the very start of the series. And of course, if you've watched Episode 2 or Episode 3, you know that those those helmets are the ones that the younglings wore while doing their Jedi training on Coruscant. So that, that's the sort of, uh, I guess connection i guess somebody will do a screenshot to see if the one that we see entombed is one that is depicted in that flashback scene from the very start or whether it's just basically implied that this is someone from about the same age that managed to escape but was thereafter captured because they are still wearing that same temple outfit they're not in a disguise they even still have the helmet on so they must have been captured on on coruscant Sort of fleeing the temple, or shortly thereafter, because they have not been able to change clothes, which just kind of shows, I guess, to the audience just how ruthless they are. That they are killing kids. Yeah,
0: that it's across the board, regardless of regardless of age. it, It strikes me as a little bit odd that they're in such specific poses with their full garb right down to the helmet as to what that actually means, whether they're captured in a very specific way with the intention of being immediately suspended or or, or entombed. I, I find that odd and um, hard to decipher, but hopefully we'll get a little bit more information. We may we may not get solid information. It may just be a side story that's, you know, teased all the way to the end of the series. Or
1: oh, or oh. Or expanded upon in maybe a video game or a book or a comic about more about what the Inquisitors are doing with the Force Sensitives that they are capturing and or executing. Another little thing that I thought was interesting was that after his uh, time in the Bacta tank at the start, Obi-Wan has a new outfit. This is, uh, you know, another progression along what feels like they are slowly getting him back into more and more of a Jedi appearance, particularly when he's done with his swim and his hair is slicked back. He's giving me very episode Two Obi-Wan vibes with his longer hair. And he is in tunics that are very reminiscent of classic prequel era Jedi tunics. So as he's running around. Around taking down stormtroopers with his lightsaber he looks very much like the jedi part we're sort of seeing this not just sort of his sort of spiritual reawakening as yeah, a jedi but yeah. it's sort of a, a bit of an appearance awakening as well he's kind of he looks and feels he's starting to embody the obi-wan that we know from the earlier films so it's kind of interesting and i guess it would be satisfying to see him have a rematch with Vader looking very much like the classic Obi-Wan that we know in sort of classic Jedi light side with his blue saber up against Darth Vader. I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm hoping we see sort of Obi-Wan, you know, back, maybe maybe not particularly at full strength, but at least a bit more of an even rematch than what we saw in the previous episode.
0: Yeah, you're right. His physical appearance is an interesting bit of storytelling that's power- paralleling his, his progression in terms of his attachment and sensitivity to the force
1: one other note that I thought was interesting to sort of point out was when Obi-Wan is talking to the sort of the underground fighters, the Path Commander Roken. we hear a little bit of his story where he was basically explaining that he knows how evil the Empire is because he lost his wife to the Empire. He implies that she was Force-sensitive and yep. they found her and obviously took her Despite away and or yeah. killed her because Obi-Wan seems kind of sheltered. He's pleading with them, you don't know what the Empire is capable of, but he is learning pretty well that despite him hiding away on Tatooine that there are other regular people that know just how evil the Empire is and despite the fact that they don't have special abilities or they're not superheroes that they are standing up and doing what they can to fight against this evil and I think that that's kind of starting to sink in. Obi-Wan is meeting more and more regular folk that are putting their lives on the line to stand up to do what they can even if they just save a few lives it's still doing something despite the fact that you know he basically hid away it does throw a little bit of an interesting lens on the actions of obi-wan and Yoda after episode three you know they go away and hide but i think that obviously we're going to see a little bit more discussion or at least some sort of reflection on the fact that that they are important for sort of safeguarding the eventual sort of saviors of the rebellion you know luke and leia yeah, that, I think, I that think that's
0: the thing that makes it at least, the palatable because yeah. he does have a role, he does have a task, and it's just necessary that he's been hiding in order to execute that task. But the, the, the consequence of it is he's quite out of touch with what's been going on yeah. and what other people have been experiencing.
1: We know that the the fate of this galaxy would be very, very different without the Skywalker twins, Luke and Leia, who are you know equally sort of important to saving the galaxy one on the rebellion side one on the jedi side and then of course all the way through to the first order in in, in the sequel trilogy so i think even though it looks like obi-wan and The order just kind of hid and cowered they um, were
0: biding their time that was yes they, they had to stay alive until it was ready to train luke and yeah or Leia, whoever showed jedi powers first
1: yeah and obviously they kind of They know what the plan is because of that sort of force ghost moment on Hoth where Obi-Wan speaks to Luke and it's like, go to Dagobah, you know, go, go, go find Yoda. Like he knows what steps he obviously knew that that wasn't just something he was just like, well, I'm just floating around in the force. Hey, you should go visit my old buddy. I am still desperately waiting for the moment where we finally get a Qui-Gon speaking through the Force moment. We didn't really touch on that in this episode. I think it would maybe be a little bit on the nose if they keep pointing that out each and every episode, every time he has a moment alone. No, He's like, think- Qui-Gon, where are you? And then we finally get him in the... F- and so we, they kind of didn't focus on that this episode, but I am still it was waiting. That
0: this episode was a little bit more lightweight that really makes me feel they're going to really doll things out very mm. shortly and it's yeah. going really powerful moments like that
1: yeah so very very excited about what the next episode is we kind of gotten to this point where we know that the inquisitors and vader are on are on their tail and we don't know really where that's going to come to a head and where they're going to cross paths is the is the underground path sort of hideout going to be discovered are we going to get a bit of a sort of a hoth where they're going to have to flee At short notice, because the Empire is hot on their tail, are we going to get some sort of invasion? Are we going to get a direct conflict of Obi-Wan Invader at this sort of rebel base? I'm really excited to see where they're going to take this uh, epic conclusion.
0: All righty, that's about it for today's installment. I guess we're done doing talking. If you've got any thoughts on the topics we discussed today, we're definitely keen to hear them. Leave a comment on our YouTube page or our website page for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you taking your time to listen to us share our passion for Star Wars. Stay tuned to our website, swnz.co.nz, for Star Wars news for New Zealanders, and another podcast episode next week and every Tuesday. Don't forget, you can jump on over to either our Facebook group or the SWNZ message boards to discuss all the latest Star Wars news with other Kiwi fans. Kia ora, kia noho, thank you for listening and stay safe.
1: Turo hawaiki, may the force be with you.